And then I was like, you can spin my mouth if you want to. Well, everybody, how are we doing today? This is uh, High and Dry. I'm Ryan Barron North, and with me as always is resident cannabis enthusiast and poll inspector. Well, former poll inspector. Former poll inspector. They only have elections once every... How many times? <laughs> how often does it happen? Seems to be happening all the Seems time. Seems to be all the time. I, I did it in the past. It wasn't this past election. It was like... Way back in 2010, 2012. I've done it a couple times. A lifetime ago. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) A lifetime ago. For those of you returning, thanks for coming back. Who are we looking at this week? Oh, yeah. So we've had a couple. We just noticed that there's a couple followers in Mumbai who have been listening since the very beginning. Kudos to Mumbai. Congratulations, Mumbai. You've made High and Dry International. Thank you so much, Mumbai. We love you. So friends, family, Mumbai. Georgia. Georgia. Virginia. Thanks for joining us. For those of you who are familiar, um, on High and Dry, we start the episode off by talking about some sort of moral problem, um, and then we finish it off with our versus match. And this week, I'm pretty excited for the versus match. Coming up here in about 20 minutes, we have Hubert Farnsworth. I haven't even started drinking yet. (laughs) Versus Rick Sanchez. Nihilism versus whimsy. And I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited too. I think it's going to be a good one. I think that we're going to have some surprising surprising conversations about this one. I think some people may think it's lopsided, but it's not that lopsided. No, no, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. You'll see. You'll all see. (laughs) So uh, this week, starting with our moral quandary, James, this time you got one for us. So uh, this week we've got Avicenna's floating man. So this thought experiment deals with the idea of consciousness. So the idea is there is a man who is floating in empty space, deprived of all senses of the outside world. Avicenna puts forth that that person, because their consciousness still exists, they will recognize themselves even without outside stimulation. Well, it reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with Douglas Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where the whale forms in midair. Yes, yes. That is, I, that, I think that is this thought experiment. Mm-hmm. Is that whale forming in midair is uh, because it has consciousness, does that mean that consciousness is separate from outside sensation? Well, it sounds like we have an interesting one. Before we get into it, on high and dry, before we start talking, one of us is going to be drunk and the other one's going to be really, really high. So That's right. So James, Wait, which one is which? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Tradesies. <laughs> so James, what are you going to be smoking today? I'm going to be smoking a wonderful tangy concentrate and no more telling at you what brands they are until they start paying me. <laughs> I've, le- I've learned that I've been giving it away for free. Somebody mentioned it to me and I was like, oh man, I have uh, been doing that. <laughs> well, we're just, every episode is one step closer to being able to write off weed and booze as a business expense. <laughs> so close. We're so, so close, close, guys. Share it. Make your friends download it. They don't even have to listen to it. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm i going to be drinking here. So I, I don't want to give away the name, but you've seen it at every high school party you've ever been to back in the day. Made with vodka, infused with mangoes, and it's going to taste just terrible. But I got to get it off my counter. You got this, man. I believe in you. Uh, yeah. If high schoolers can do it, you can do it. <laughs> if if if, a, if an overconfident junior can handle this, I you can, can handle, handle it. 
Here we go. All right, round one. All right, that was a. You got me all excited, and I was a little overzealous with <laughs> well, that. Well, too bad. Looks like you got to do it. I'll, all right, I'll take a big one. All right, here we go. Oh God, oh, that was terrible. I mean, it's mango, fake mango. <laughs> God, <laughs> you know the dominant terpene in most cannabis is myrcene, which is also naturally occurring in mangoes. Oh, well, look at that. We were, we're essentially doing the same thing. We are. So I was thinking about it on the way here, just all this drinking. Mm-hmm. And I feel, so over the uh, course of my, my life, I feel that there's three rules for any budding drinker. Uh-huh. Never drink when you're sad. Uh-huh. Never drink when you're alone. Uh-huh. And never drink straight out of the bottle. I've broken every last one of those things. Twice today. <laughs> and every time every time it's like they're hard rules to follow but at the same time alcohol is a dangerous thing yeah it's super dangerous and so you gotta you, you gotta respect it for the creature it it's is. a it's a tiger and you know <laughs> you gotta wrangle it just right you don't want to get siegfried or royd whoever <laughs> oh man it was roy, <laughs> oh, it was roy. i think it was roy <laughs> all right round two Oh God, it's, it's terrible. Someone put this in a bottle and said, nah, that's good. Send it out. You know, everybody has different tastes. Hey, if you like mango infused vodka, you're all right by me. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. We're just very disappointed in you. Yeah. Well, that's fine. See, I don't know. Do you, I don't know if it's a, if it's real, but like you, people talk about how like different types of alcohol bring out different moods. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's I, real though. I, I like think, I, I used to say that uh, vodka tended to uh, make me a little more uh, angry. Uh-huh. Then like rum makes me very uh, happier. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say happy either. Yeah. I mean, uh, euphoric. Yeah. So I think this is more about the perception that people go into it with. If they're like, "Oh, if I drink vodka, I'm going to get angry. Give me some vodka." They're basically looking for a reason to be angry. Mm-hmm. It's the mindset they're going into with it. They're like, I'm going to be angry when I drink this. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. And so when I drink rum, I'm thinking I'm going to be a pirate. And yeah. everything's just a lot more happy. Yeah. Okay. Now, who knows? That might be. Because like I, I started to develop that idea early on. Yeah. That vodka is going to elicit a bad response. Yeah. I, I think that maybe. I think that maybe we trick ourselves with stuff mm. like that. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. All right, round three to Mumbai. Oh, God damn. Here we go. Our next episode of High and Dry. Let's see if vodka does make me angry. <laughs> no, think happy. Think happy thoughts. Rum. I just drank a bunch of rum. I'm a pirate. You're a pirate right now. I'm a pirate. All right, so the floating man. You pop into existence in a state of being completely senseless senseless detached from everything um like the falling whale and hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so i think we should talk about that real quick okay. i i like the falling whale the falling whale mm. makes more sense it doesn't make total sense no. because it under it seems to understand some things about its reality well it pops in as a fully mature like it has the brain capability because like if you pop, if you're born this uh-huh. way it popped in as a baby yeah 
like so i mean there's a question because even to me i'm thinking back is like trying to remember what it was like being a baby not impossible just, <laughs> just eventually my mind catches to a point where hey i am here i think that's an important distinction so yeah. so the whale first off in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy has like a, the brain of a human like yeah. an adult human who understands <laughs> like things about the world and also it's falling which means it's experiencing things it yeah. gets to see things it gets to experience things i i like that i like that that was in the same vein yeah but this is a little different where the the person that came into existence has no sense of what's happening around them so now are they born this way yes they just pop into existence they just pop into existence so if i as i am now yes were to pop into existence with no experience or life but i still have the cognitive faculties of a working brain so this is the question is the brain consciousness does a physical thing require conscious is consciousness separate from the physical form was what was what this philosopher was trying to prove would you ever so me just sitting there floating feeling nothing would i ever be able to say to myself i'm here i am a thing yeah Um, it's hard to distinguish it's it's a it's a great question i think therefore i am yes but do you know that you are an entity if there are no other entities or objects to compare yourself to as far as you know you're everything i wonder if that's how god feels (laughs) (laughs) you know but but i think that we ascribe to God an agency. Would yeah. this would this consciousness mm. even have agency? Dude, that's a trippy thought, though. If God, to whatever you know, religious thing, you, just whatever creature did all this, is so incapable of anything. Detached, it's just, de- totally it's detached, just floating there, and we are floating within it, and it's just sitting there. Yeah, we we could just be floating within. See, see, if you're created and you don't have any sense of anything else in the world, every bit of your consciousness is the entire scope of your understanding. Yeah. Any deity, any world, any universe creating deity, that's how they started. Yeah. So that's there. There's a, an assumption that they. So he just pops into existence and is like, "This is how I want things run." There's going to be a bunch of primates on this little rock over there in like billions <laughs> of years and they cannot touch themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's exactly what. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> they touch themselves. So help me me. But yeah. So this, con- so that would be like if this consciousness for like this consciousness would have no one to argue with it. They would have no one to like make its consciousness like uh solidify Mm. because i I feel like the thing that gives us consciousness is when we try to interact with something it's the interaction with the things around see i I could see it becoming like either this very zen kind of thing or it would if all of a sudden it was able to interact with things it would be a super dangerous thing with just such a warped sense of anything well think about it's like an entitled person gone wild it's an entitled person (laughs) you know you know it's the kind of person we think of that has never been told no yes because these a consciousness born without any kind of resistance to its own expansion like Mm. 
the the premise is that this consciousness will discover itself. So it's and, got very Lovecraftian, <laughs> quick, fast, and in a hurry. Yeah, um, be- because we are really approaching this. We are really approaching this from a position of having seen great entitlement in our lifetime, yeah. and we know what happens when an entity isn't told no. You know, as the the writer I am. Um, you can visit my website, ryanbarrennorth.com. Um, <laughs> as the writer, I, I'm always looking for that sort of, you know, I'm, like earlier, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I'm now talking about Lovecraftian. Um, one of the concepts in Lovecraftian horror is that this thing, so you're walking down the street, you, James, walking down the street, you step on an ant. Yeah. Do you think about that ant for more than a fraction of a second before you just continue your day? Now, this is why I refuse to walk outside. <laughs> I, I'm carried on a litter. But but the act to you... <laughs> the, the act to you is neither good nor evil. It's just I stepped on that ant. And that's the same thought process that these creatures in Lovecraftian horror hold towards us. Because they've yeah. been allowed to grow and develop without any resistance because they are these impossibly powerful creatures. Yeah. And so when they suddenly destroy the earth, yeah, they don't even, it was a little dust ball that brushed off their sleeve. Yeah. To us, I'm sorry, to them, we are a curiosity. Like if they spend any time on us, it's because they were curious. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And uh, you know, what's funny is that's really mirrored in entitled people who live on this planet and destroy this planet and step on lives without being concerned very much about them at all. For some reason, we've collectively decided that they're the ones who should be in charge of everything. everything. Hmm. Oh my God. But we're not here trying to go into that. (laughs) That's Um, what this entire thought experiment is about. I like this. It comes back to that. I'm really glad I chose this one. I mean, but I mean, does it, have we gone too far already? No, because we're well, well. So, but I mean, the basis of the question, the consciousness portion of it. So, you are just sitting there, floating in nothingness, and you you don't know where your body ends and the universe begins, and you're just drifting. You don't even have a concept of the universe. You don't have a concept of. So, if you don't have a concept of anything, can you even have a concept of yourself? And I don't think so damn it i think that you need to have some kind of interaction to build consciousness well so so our life our life is essentially you open your eyes into consciousness one day of your first memory and then eventually you close your eyes into conscious out of consciousness at the end of it all whenever that happens to be if you opened your eyes into nothing could you but then closed your eyes would there be would you feel there's a difference? No. That's the thing is I don't I don't think that consciousness is self-formed. I think that consciousness has to have you have to have an interaction before you can achieve consciousness. And if you do not have an interaction, if it is t- entirely removed from any other force, I don't think there's any place to build because we grow from struggle. When we have something put between us and a goal, when we have some kind of interaction, or even if something interacts with us in a positive way and and affects us, that is when we grow. 
And if there's no initiating force of growth, I don't think consciousness can form. So, I mean, is the, is the thought experiment just talking about within that second? Because eventually you're going to get hungry. No, you don't have a body. So you, th- there is nothing physical. Your consciousness is just floating through space. Just a thing floating through space with no interaction. There's not even a body. Because so, again, I'm trying. So I, I think thinking back to yourself as a baby is the answer to this. But the babies even get interaction. Well, well, I'm saying that the babies who even get interaction, I was conscious. But to me, it was a period of time that passed. It doesn't exist within my own head at all. But that might also just be because my brain isn't developed enough to hold on to things. Yeah. So I, I think don't know that's if that what counts. It is. Yeah, I don't think But, that- but I, I could see that it feeling the same. Yeah. What you're talking about is remembering, which I think is really important because you want to remember things. What do you want to remember? your interactions with the world. What is there to remember or consider? Well, see, I was a very philosophical baby. <laughs> and None I of just, this is real. I just wanted to remember my state of being. <laughs> you, know? you didn't have object permanence yet. So no. So I was, I, my, so me as a baby, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I think therefore I am. What does it mean? <laughs> that's how it all starts for every one of us. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's how I was as a baby, without a doubt. Um, I, I I vaguely recall questioning the flying man as an infant. <laughs> You're not original, Avicenni. It's been all of us forever. Forever. <laughs> that was everyone's first thought, Jackass. <laughs> You're not special. <laughs> Oh, man. Says the baby. If I were a whale, popped into the <laughs> We all have that thought. God. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Give it a rest. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think. So, so what's the final word? Final word. I do, do you think? No idea. I think what Ty and Dry Podcast has to do is kidnap a baby and raise it in a sense deprivation chamber. Yeah, oh, great idea. <laughs> and then ask it some questions. That's <laughs> That's um that's 11 from Stranger Things. Yeah. That's what they kidnapped as a baby and kept in a deprivation chamber and shit. <laughs> you just you just wrote a hit TV show. Oh, well. All right. We all had this thought. <laughs> yeah, we all had this thought. Um yeah, and that was what I did next as a baby was you know started writing a screenplay. <laughs> yeah. you were you were planning that screenplay your whole life oh yeah no and i was one of those gifted babies that was destroyed by the public school system <laughs> all right well so james what are your final thoughts on it then because i i feel that i don't know you feel that you know i feel, i think that you feel you know a little bit more so please yeah i so my final thought is that i think something can never truly exist like in this case it's positing consciousness without some resistant force, because then existence is no different than non-existence. If there's, if there's no force to interact with, then your existence is non-existence. There's nothing. If you're the only thing, there's nothing. All right. So high and dry. Um, that was the first portion. Um, tonight we're going to go out and we're going to kidnap a baby. And uh, we're not actually going to kidnap the baby. (laughs) The lawyers, the lawyers are telling me we have to, we have to legally say that we're not going to kidnap a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Legally. (laughs) But anyway, so there it is. High and dry. The only place where you can go to talk about kidnapping a baby. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of those podcasts, but usually 
the we baby, need a login for the, those. The baby, the baby kidnappers aren't the host. They're like recounting some <laughs> horrific crime, to some baby kidnapping spree. Well, we're gonna see what this does to our viewers. <laughs> All right, so next up, part two, high and dry. Um, we're about to get into the versus match this week. We have Hubert Farnsworth versus Rick Sanchez. Guaranteed to really get that nerd clicking going. Yeah, only get on here to find the. Wait a minute. They aren't talking about it like I thought. <laughs> what the fuck's a flying whale? <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guy, great, great uh, yeah. book and movie. That's what your parents nerded out to. Yeah, those book series. It was Douglas Adams, right? Yes, Douglas Adams, great author. Yeah, yeah, Douglas Adams. Um, so before we get started, I hope that's right. You're good, Douglas okay. Adams. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guy <laughs> of the Galaxy, 1978. Check it out at your local library. Libraries everywhere. Send us money. (laughs) (laughs) Funded by libraries. (laughs) You know, we don't have much of a budget, but we really believe what you guys are doing. We believe in you guys. Here's here's the I know this would have helped teach a kid to read, but you guys could use it more. (laughs) All right, so here it is. Our fourth shot. Oh, oh my God. God. This is too much. This tangent got me ripped hard. Uh, well, then it's guaranteed to give us some. Uh, <sighs> we're going to get really deep into the topic of Rick Sanchez. Dude, I don't even know if I'm going to remember who they are. Let's give it a shot, though. There we go. Round four. What's it to? To High and Dry and to Mumbai? Yeah, Mumbai, Mumbai. again. Yeah, to yeah. Mumbai again. Welcome to the High and Dry family. Oh my god, how many people live in Mumbai? It's got to be a shit ton. You should look that up real quick. Because all of you are in the high and dry family. Not just our listeners, all of Mumbai. <laughs> it's every one of you. We love you all individually. <clears throat> and that is 18.4 million. The the high and dry Six. family, 18.4000002 strong. <laughs> You heard it here. You heard it here on High and Dry first. We have eighteen point four million fans. So think about that potential sponsors. Yeah, <laughs> we've adopted you forcefully. You have no say. <laughs> Everyone in Mumbai is a fan. Here we go. So for those of you who are just joining us, we're going to explain this to you. Our versus match that you probably clicked on this for: Hubert Farnsworth versus Rick Sanchez. High and Dry has a patented method of just finding out who's going to win this. We do this in three rounds. The first round, both fighters hop in the ring and punch it out. No shirt, no belts, no shoes. Fight club rules. Yeah. And they punch it out until someone's dead. Yep. Round two, we now move into a cityscape where the individuals are allowed to use their, in this case, inventions and the full scope of their abilities their mental prowess and they kind of have a way to you know figure it out in that almost comic book style um and then finally round three same thing as round two except this time they get to bring a friend and so we have that full well-rounded way of being the definitive source for us to decide and you to accept who would win your role is to accept (laughs) (laughs) not to decide we are the deciders we decide and you accept who would win between rick sanchez and professor hubert farms we really love super strong authority on this show (laughs) and you can tell because i think that's evident just by everything yeah 
Yeah, so know your place, listeners. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Please tune in. <laughs> we love so much. so right. well, we're expecting eight point eighteen point four million views on this that's one. That's true. So yeah. Should be a good should be a good month for us. <laughs> it's a little slow, but we'll yeah. we'll survive. Yeah, could you imagine going to any sponsor and being every person in Mumbai <laughs> listens to us? Oh every God. single one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so round one. Rick Sanchez has just stepped into the ring with Professor Hebrew Farnsworth. I'm going to jump right into this. I think uh, Rick Sanchez is going to win round one. You know, uh, the the professor has a real propensity for taking a beating and not dying. Do That's you, true. Do you okay, remember? So when, well, do you remember when he got bent in half? Well, he got <laughs> he got bent in half. He, he is tough when you think about it so he he grabbed onto that uh toy plane and just hung on he yeah nope holy shit the professor can turn into a yeti oh yeah the professor can turn into a yeti (laughs) (laughs) see and that's why we're definitive yeah hold on but rick's so i guess that's not an invention that no, that was not one of his inventions. Not an invention. He got bit by a yeti, and, and he's a wear yeti, and he's a wear yeti. But it only popped out that one time, and they did eventually cure it. Yeah, but we take him at his best, right? Yeah, we do take him at his best. So is Hubert Varnsworth walking in the ring? Is a so we got to think about this real quick. What does Rick have? That's like innate. I don't think his like cybernetic implants and stuff count as well. well no, they no, do. They do. They do. They do. Because it's so it's we take them both at their best within the show. And they don't have anything external. Every, yeah, they have nothing external. But Rick is has Rick a has a bunch of built-in stuff. Shit. Yeah, that he has put cybernetically inside him that he has even when he is naked. Yes, enough. So on an, an intergalactic, interuniversal scale, yeah. he's a flight risk. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, in that one episode, they did have to, but he did find himself subjected was, to yeah. neutralization pretty quickly mm-hmm. in that instance. But, but we at High and Dry, we're not neutralizing them as we walk in. We no, want to see them not. duke it out. Yeah, we want to see them really do it. So, Professor would turn into a were yeti. Yep. And Which is that is out of left field. That is, I. That's why amazing, people tune in. It's amazing that you remembered that. I totally forgot about that were yeti, and you. You wow, what a great point! At, at that point, I was like, "Damn, he takes it!" I was so surprised. Holy shit! I forgot about Rick's all his cyber enhancements. Yeah, so cyber enhancements on a uh, very very powerful level versus a space a plutonian was it a plutonian yeti? I can't remember. Yeah. But he, some space yeti, no, or is it Mercury? Where? No, it wasn't Mercury. Mercury, no, was really Mercury hot. is yeah. hot. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure it, it was a plutonian yeti. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hyperplutonian. Um, that was the disease, the <laughs> malaria. The hyperplutonian malaria disease. Yeah, it was malaria. Yeah. That's right. There's gonna be some guy when we get a YouTube page. He's gonna be down there. Well, actually, well, <laughs> I mean, we all, we could also do research, but yeah. <laughs> but fuck that. Instead, we're just gonna drink. <laughs> yeah. Instead, <laughs> we're gonna have a good time. All right. Yeah. So hyper plutonium malaria, something like that. These were yetis are really strong, right? Yes. Like they would have had trouble. Would they have had trouble killing this were yeti? They, it, I mean, they did in the episode. They had yeah, trouble they killing. Like they were really well, hard. They to constructed kill. a mousetrap style method of Doctor Kevorkianing the professor. 
Yeah. And then he turned into the Yeti and it destroyed the whole trap. And he took on those spinning axe blades that were able to perfectly slice through a tomato and create a salad. Yeah, that's true. And then it just bounced off. Did it bounce off his Yeti body? Or it just what? bounced off his Yeti body. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, I got to say, uh, that sure that changes the. But so Rick's going to. So this is going to be the first ring fight on High and Dry where all of a sudden a Yeti starts fighting a dude who's fully armed. Uh, yeah. He, well, he's not really fully armed. Well, cause, so you remember in the episode where um, Rick. He gets onto that plane. His arm turns into that large weapon that shoots the guy through the head. But, well, first it uses... No, no, it didn't. No, he, had a, did he, had, he had a little it plunger. It had a little plunger. And where he took the weapon, it was just a plunger. Oh, so that <laughs> might change it for the Yeti. I think Professor Farnsworth takes the first round. What the fuck is happening? <laughs> I think Professor Farnsworth takes the first round. I think that's... Holy shit. This this podcast never ceases to amaze and inspire me. Yeah, I think that um, you know I really felt like it was in Rick's favor because he's gotten in fist fights with people where he's like, yeah, and he does but it all the time. But, but they it always hand, comes close. It's always and they all, and he never like pulls out some weapon out of his body. He gets in like this long, exaggerated fist fight with them. Yeah. Well, so remember, all right. So there's the episode. So there's an episode where he's fighting Phoenix person. He gets thrown against... No, 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 no. So there's an episode where he's doing the whole D&D dragon thing. Because uh-huh. it is a Harmon show. Uh-huh. Um, and he gets slammed against a rock, but his stuff isn't working in D&D world. And he says, you know, activate morphine. And it doesn't come. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it would be a crazy good fight. I mean, you never know exactly what Rick's about to pull out. But he's been in protracted, like, fist fights before. Even in... Yeah. Even in other episodes like um he's been he gets in big long fist fights yeah so well i think then the writers need to play to our need to see a toxic fist fight so like for example when he's going into his car battery yeah um and he says uh school may be out but you still got a lot to learn and yeah. gets into a you know just a dragged out you know backyard fist fight with this guy yeah i think so, so I think that Hubert Farnsworth is absent the toxic traits that um, Rick has. Yeah. And so as Rick is doing something, you know. Self-indulgent. Self-indulgent with his things, a Yeti comes and, and just and, beats him to yeah, death. Yeah, beats him to death. And and he's not too worried about it because he's got those other, he, he recloned himself a bunch of times. Yeah. And, uh. And he, well, so even in that, so we saw we saw the crustacean version of him get ripped apart by dogs. Yeah. So he dies. He dies all the time. Even with that, cybernetics and yeah, stuff, so he dies all the time. Back. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say Professor Farnsworth definitely takes that one. Yeah, Professor Farnsworth <laughs> turns into a yeti and rips Rick Sanchez apart. Fucking crazy. Never never saw that coming. Neither did I. I thought for sure. Look, even as I'm saying it. I'm like, Rick's going to win this. There's no way he can't. Yeah. And then Professor Farnsworth turns into a Yeti. We don't plan any of this. This is just about as much a surprise for us as it this is for is you. This is off the cuff. So there it is. Round one, fist fight match goes to Professor Hubert Farnsworth. Congratulations, Professor. <laughs> the um, man who also, at his worst, broke his own arms when he lifted his hands <laughs> over his own head. <laughs> but but proves unkillable. Oh, uh, So round two. 
of our fight club here. So round two, um, the fight now backs up into a city view where the two fighters now have their laboratories, their mental acuity, their ability for tactics, which we saw in the previous episode. Billy the Butcher took it with those tactics. So it really changes the game. This is taking place wherever it happens to be taking place. Honestly, story. If I was writing the screenplay for this, I think Rick would have showed up in Futurama World. Yeah, and for some reason has beef. Yeah. Well, Rick goes to lots of goofy worlds. Yeah. So um, he goes to Futurama World, and yeah, Futurama never goes anywhere normal. No. Uh, Rick sometimes goes somewhere normal, so his world wouldn't be the. Oh, but Rick does also doesn't do time travel, so. But he does. He does. He does, but he doesn't. Because at the end of the day, it all comes down to Dan Harmon and um, what? Just Royland. Just, just, yeah, yeah. Justin Royland, I think, is his name. Yeah. Maybe it's the Ciroc talking. Because I guess I know you and I have discussed this before. Just that level of, you know, there's self-deprecation and a level of toxicity that does come with Rick. Oh, Yeah. It's super distracting. He he gets distracted by his own toxicity all the time. He, it, it leads him to be really self-indulgent about what he does. Mm-hmm. And, and while a lot of times he is able to manage laser focus, he also many times, just as many times, uh, completely fails because of his own toxic, yes. toxic self-indulgence. And so, well, you have a lot of people who idolize Rick. Yeah. When you really shouldn't. Like, he's hilarious. He's he's definitely the funniest part of the show. Yeah. But he's not the one you should be looking up to. And there are times when I very much empathize with Rick and very much feel like I've been there. I've been sitting yeah. there. Yeah. But it was never a good period in my life. Yeah. And I shouldn't be, like, looking to get... Like, I think there's a tendency... Especially for the audience, like it's it's registered towards mature audiences. Yeah, but it's it's not mature audiences who are watching that. Yeah, um, you know they're watching Frasier and whatever the fuck. Yeah, we're we are immature. I uh, I used to be on the other side of this argument about how influential media can be. You know, especially when they were trying to take away the things I liked. Like remember those big video game scares when we were in like yes. uh, we were in high school. Where they were like, video games are too violent, and you know um, they're they're creating violent children. So, like, I used to be on the other side of this argument, but I think, man, we were super influenced by media. Like, media really influences us. Well, see, I think that rating systems need to change. Like, <sighs> it, you could, but how? I like how. Here, here's how you do it. Well, is you 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 teach parents. Yeah. That's what you do is what we do is, is we say at one point in your life, all right, you're done learning. You've, you've learned everything. Now it's time to teach your kids. And yeah. You're still a fucking child. Yeah. You've learned everything. You're good. Instead, we need to create a culture that is lifelong learners, people who can, who are taught about what's happening in the world yeah. by a trusted source. No, Cause we are not, <laughs> we are not mature enough as a whole for some of these things. So I think that the whole age rating system is flawed because there's definitely, you'll have 60 year olds who got some learning to do. Yeah. And then you have, you know, particularly gifted 17 year olds who yeah. are totally ready to separate you know, fact from fiction and who experienced a lot of reality. Yes. And so when I was younger, there's, and I I totally understand it. When I was younger and angsty and angry at everything, 
you know, you, you you start idolizing fucking Tyler Durden. Yes. Um, that's and, exactly right. And then, and so me now as an adult, there's a lot of things with Rick where the, so for example, he, he gets, he gets scorned by unity. Yeah. And at the end there, he tries to kill himself just over self-loathing and yes. the, the end of this relationship. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, I've been sitting in that garage at the same low spot you have. Yeah. But I don't idolize you. Yeah, no shit. Like, so I definitely feel that. And I think it's okay to feel with those characters and you learn from that, but they don't become your idols. But when you were younger, people like that, I've known you for a long time. And I think people like that were your idols. Yes. And that you saw a kind of romanticism. Exactly. We romanticize that, that those feelings because they're just so intense and so much more than what we experience now. And now me being a man who's actually experienced those things, who's been like, there's nothing fucking romantic about it. There's nothing romantic about it. You're literally sitting in a garage disgusted with yourself. (sighs) You know, there's been entire years of my life where I avoided looking at myself in the mirror and that there's nothing romantic about that. Holy shit, we're in the middle of the versus match. This is important. This yeah. is an important conversation about this. The people come here for the for the personal growth talk. If you don't know that this is a podcast about personal growth by now, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we definitely have been going that way. Um so yeah, so to check yourself about your individualism. There's nothing romantic about about be about having a bad time or being or, or struggling. Struggle is not romantic. It's dirty yeah, and it's hard it's and dirty, fucking it's sucks. Hard and, and you yeah. want to try to avoid it, but you want to. Yeah. But the way you prevent those kind of things is by being a good yeah. person. Well, and, and so like <laughs> even at that young stage, when in that you know Tyler Durden is my hero stage, um, you know I, I would say to myself, you know, I want to experience every every facet of it. And yes, I guess at the end it did make me a more complete person however they're those toxic like so so for example so worshiping tyler durden becoming just this monster because i felt that you know you want to be the main character of those stories yeah um it did i you know i garnered a lot of interest from the opposite sex Uh um you know a lot of things i did were because of that and the personality i adopted for myself but then the world outgrew my yeah. personality and I lost all those things I gained because here I am 25, 26 and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fucking Tyler Durden. Yeah. Who's, who you should not be emulating. Yeah. And, and other, and other 26 year olds and seven year olds are like, Ooh, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, is this guy going to go crazy? <laughs> you never know yeah. because people have to grow up. You got to grow it's, up. It's that that individualism. We're you're so well. You're so desperate for it, and I mean, you have the Nietzsche. Um, in the absence of God, we we find our own, and you know, spirituality is so. Wow, absent. this ties into the first thing we were talking about. Yeah, holy crap, Jesus, we are drunk, and this is just happening. <laughs> <laughs> ties into the first thing, the consciousness, and it, it's it's an entitled creature. Exactly, is what it is. It's a person yeah. who doesn't feel like they have to consider anyone else. Well, That's Rick. That's Tyler Durden. It's all these toxically masculine, well, powerful you people. Have, you have Fromm's book, um, uh, 1941 Escape from Freedom, in which he discusses 
you know, freedom from, freedom to, and, and it just kind of ties into that absence of spirituality. Um, wherever you derive that from, hopefully in a healthy way that you aren't being controlled by anybody. Um, but so you, in the absence of that, we do seek out someone for whom we can model ourselves. And so now, you know, when I was growing up, you had Tyler Durden. Now you got characters like Rick Sanchez and you, you see Rick getting ready to kill himself in a garage. And you just think of like, what an intense feeling, something I haven't had yet. I want that for myself. And then when you finally get to the garage, you're like, this is not great. This is horrible. (laughs) This is, oh, wow. This is not as, this is not as romantic as I thought. This isn't romantic at all. (laughs) You know, when you really stop to think about this isn't romantic at all. And even Rick, you know, he's now absent of the affection that, you know, at the end of the day he was looking for. Yep. And there it is. So round two. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't even talked about that. Goes to Hubert, who isn't killing himself in his (laughs) garage. Hubert, who is whimsically laughing about (laughs) whatever he's laughing about. Who's, uh, when confronted with a 80s business time traveler who came to steal his company, tricked tricked him comically with an escape plan instead of a business plan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... I know there's going to be some people pissed off about this. And I, I think, I think that's it. I, I think that is the answer to round two. Is that, is that Hubert Farnsworth is not vindictive? No, is that he's, he's not he's 164. Yeah. And he has the wisdom to know that. So, so Rick has the wisdom to know that not a whole lot matters. Yeah. But then professor Farnsworth has the wisdom to understand it. Yeah, he has the wisdom to understand that nothing matters and that for and therefore and therefore he can use that. Yes. He can use so the, the Rick fact is, that nothing Rick matters. Rick is still at war with it. Yeah. And and Professor Farnsworth is like oh, fuck it. <laughs> if not if nothing matters, I can build an engine that moves the entire universe around, around my, my ship. Around my ship. So like so <laughs> to him nothing matters so much that he accidentally creates a box that does the same shit that, that Rick's, Rick's gun does. Yeah, that Rick tried to use and exploit and you know every version of Rick has used and exploited that technology and uh to try to get one up on another Rick or yeah. a person or advance themselves in some way and Professor Farnsworth did it on fucking accident. Yeah. And he thought it <laughs> And deep down, he's just so whatever. Yeah, and then then he, then next week he moved on to the next thing. Yeah. So Rick <laughs> is a visitor to nihilism. Professor Farnsworth is he fucking owns the ranch, you know. And that's what absurdists do. Yep. Absurdists own the nihilists' ranch. Well, the nihilists are like toiling away on the Trying oh to, everything yeah. fucking blows. The absurdists <laughs> are like, ha, 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 yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a joke out of losing his company. Isn't it great? <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Round one, round two, both go to Professor Farnsworth. And so at this point, Professor Farnsworth has won, but I would be remiss if we didn't explore round three. Round three, who would they bring along? So God. Rick only has one option. Who? Morty. He doesn't, that's not his only option. He's done things with other people. Every one of them, except Morty, has become someone who won't, won't associate with Rick beyond a nihilistic impromptu party 
but no, no, sometimes people get dragged along with Rick and they don't have a choice on whether they're there or not. Uh-huh. And, but in order to survive, they're all, like, it's part of the show that or in yeah. order to survive, they have to cooperate with Rick and they might not even survive <laughs> and they might not even survive. But I think that that means Rick can bring almost, he can bring anyone he can kidnap. Anyone who can't get away from him yeah. is his partner, uh, which is a, I think that's a superpower Rick has, as we've seen through yeah. the show. Anybody who is around him, who well, so he that, can that's kidnap. actually an interesting statement because so Rick in the show is able to replicate what Rick fandom is. I'd love you. I'd love for you to explain that. So, so Rick fan. I mean, you have so for you have a bunch of angry young men uh-huh. attacking a McDonald's because they don't have the Szechuan sauce. Yeah, and so that fandom, you know, they've latched on to Rick's bullshit, Rick's entitlement, Rick's entitlement of never being told no. Yeah, and and so the fandom mimics that, and so in a way. When you see Rick, basically what he does to Morty all the time, where you're coming, yeah, um, and you don't see like what a slippery slope it would be if I had to ask you to jump off the entire Empire State Building, and that's what you have. And I think the fan base mimics that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, huh? Random drunk thought. Yeah, random drunk thought. New hashtag. Hashtag random drunk thought. So so uh, so Rick can bring anyone he wants. Anyone he wants. I, Who would Professor bring? Honestly, so Professor would be so. Professor is so living within his nihilism, yeah, that he'd bring his accountant. <laughs> he'd, bring, yeah, he'd bring Hermes. He'd, he'd bring. He'd either bring his uh, <laughs> his what is what is Amy? Amy's like his oh, aide. Yeah, yeah, his aide. Well, by his the grad end, student. His yeah, grad, grad student. student. <laughs> so he'd bring the grad student so she could learn something. But he doesn't even care if she learns. He doesn't she, care. She yeah. she just is around, and yeah. and people continue to follow him for whatever reason. <laughs> Yeah. It's so Dude, funny. He That's, does everything that Rick wants to be without trying to be Rick. Yeah. And it's crazy that we're breaking this down right now. Yeah, I never I never Holy thought shit. about this. Is that he's what Rick wishes it, he he's what Rick would be if Rick was likable. Yeah. And Holy and shit. He, even Professor Farnsworth is like dismissive of other people's lives, yeah. but he's still likable. Yeah. And people still fucking bring him around <laughs> and stuff. And Rick fucking makes everyone hate him. And so I think the real winner here is friendship. I yes, think that yeah. I think that fr- friendship makes you strong. Just like, oh, Rick would bring Jerry. Jerry's total so so. The way to combat the professor's absurd nihilism is to bring someone who's so unaware yeah. that they're like an <laughs> an unanticipated factor who like stumbles into being powerful because he's just fucking stumbling. But I feel that now that we've really broken down Hubert Farnsworth, uh-huh. like he seems so unassuming and so innocent. Uh-huh. But then when, when now that we've really broken down who he is and what he's capable of, Jerry just, would be the, like, it wouldn't even be a blip on the professor's radar. Which means Jerry could get really close because in a lot of episodes, Hubert Farnsworth lets all his enemies really close to him, but, like all the time. Well, he literally lets Bender cut off his arm. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> to take the briefcase out of it. And then after it's out there, that bender cut off his hand 
he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> that's right. And and it's so the professor is that's that's nihilist that's absurdism. Yeah. That's what it is. And I think man, you made such a great point about nihilism before. I'm really I'm really glad we had that conversation because truly the professor is an absurdist, a nihilist who's taken control of nihilism yeah. and and said, "Well, I'm going to find meaning in the absurd then and nothing matters, but what yeah. if it what if it could matter on my terms? Yeah. What if I gave meaning to things instead of accepting meaning from things? So I don't know if we're just really drunk and high, but this is like some deep shit. I love absurdism. Yeah. I think absurdism is such a great philosophy. I I try to be an absurdist and not get caught up in the small stuff. See, like is is the professor's nihilism so great and so practiced that you don't even realize that that's what's happening right now. You know, so Rick, who's always at war with it, and the whole series is just trying to basically give you, you know, 101 uh, nihilism. Yeah. But then you graduate to this ridiculous show about a frozen guy falling in love with a cyclops that the master of nihilism is just in the background the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) he really is you know what's so funny is all the adventures in futurama spawn from the professor who could create universes and boxes and make a spaceship where the universe flies around it and has a collection of doomsday weapons is running a delivery service is running a failing delivery (laughs) service he never he He, never affects him no it never fit he doesn't give a shit he all all of these all of these adventures that he sends what them the on are, all these adventures he sends them on are just like bullshit things for his delivery company when he when he when he's creating doomsday devices he can easily time machines he, he created yeah he, could, he has a delivery company <laughs> and that that is the premise for everything on the show holy shit dude that there it is. There He's, it is. He he is such an absurdist that he he literally is like, I'm going to create fun, interesting things because nothing fucking yeah. matters. Any one of those things he could sell and make the delivery company company completely irrelevant. Yeah. No, the Any co- single one of, he has a collection of doomsday devices, and one of them he has <laughs> a sentimental <laughs> value towards. Yeah, but he said, I guess I could give one of them up and still be feared. <laughs> and he runs a failing delivery company that is the premise for every fucking thing on the show. So, <laughs> Jesus. Um, Hubert Farnsworth is, I didn't realize how powerful. I, I didn't either. I didn't either. And I think that's that's where it is. Because because Rick is. He cares too much about himself. And he won't know what because everything that he's trying to be, uh, the professor is. Yeah, and I think just what the edgy viewers don't see is that that's what it becomes. It becomes absurd. Yeah, R- Rick truly is absurd, and sometimes I kind of cringe when 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 they have Rick try to experience like deep things. I'm like, how could you not see that that would happen to you? Yeah, you know, I don't feel sorry uh-huh. for you. Like it, you, if if you hadn't indulged yourself so much, maybe and paid attention to the other people around you, you could accept that things are absurd instead of instead of be raging against the fact that that they are. I don't know. Well, I think um, this comes down to what High and Dry has been trying to say for a long time: 
comes down to uh, self care, mental health, <laughs> safety first, then teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> but I like I think so. I think round three. It doesn't matter who the fuck the professor takes because the professor won't give a shit the whole time. And he'll still, and he'll su- still succeed. That's he, Because he is the master of what Rick is trying to be. Yeah. He truly is the <sighs> Zen. He is, he is, he's the Darth. I don't know. He's the Emperor Palpatine. He's the Emperor Palpatine. To Rick's Darth Vader. But no, no, he's not even that. He's the Emperor Palpatine to Count Dooku. Count Dooku gets his head sliced off. Darth Vader eventually throws Palpatine down an elevator shaft. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, he yeah. doesn't win. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, Darth Vader technically beat his master. But no, uh, yeah. well, I mean, the new. I'm not getting into the. Yeah, we're new not getting series. into this shit. Jesus, we, we promised we were in a political podcast. So we are not <laughs> going to talk about the new Star Wars. The point is that Hubert Farnsworth encapsulates a mastery of the the skills that rick has been struggling against that that is the core that's the core conceit of rick and morty yeah is that rick is struggling against his his own his problems of struggling with nihilism Mm -hmm. and but but rick and morty tries to razzle and dazzle us so we don't see through it yeah then at the end of the day we don't see that in futurama because the professor's already mastered it all yeah, the professor is so seamlessly, absurdistly nihilistic, where 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 people are like, you, people are dying, and he's like, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> wake me up when it's over. I don't know. <laughs> Rick would have to deal with it. Yeah, you know, even if he doesn't show it, he'd have to deal with it. Yeah. Wow. So this went a crazy way. It sure I was did. Not anticipating any of that i like going into this i'm sitting there thinking is this going to be worth yeah is this going to be worth talking about i mean rick is so powerful but then but it's it's like it's like in those old samurai black and white movies where that young strong powerful samurai approaches the old wizened man on the mountain yeah and gets humbled yes and that is exactly what would happen with farnsworth is he'd be standing still and Rick would try to do something and, so, <laughs> and and something would happen and Professor would be like, oh yeah, I installed that years ago and totally <laughs> forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> and Rick would be done. Yeah. And uh, because that's what Farnsworth is. He's a fucking master. He's the master of super science and nihilism. And Rick is just starting on the path. Yeah, he's he's a he's a real neophyte about it. And uh, man, even if even if someone wanted to argue about that first round. Uh, prof- there's he, yeah. Professor fucking one, wins. two, and three. He 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 wins two and three hands yeah. down. And even if you want to argue about the Yeti, which you can't, you're the authority <laughs> anyway. But even if you wanted to argue about that shit, <laughs> I forgot he was a Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so fucked up. But uh, but even if you even if you want to dispute that round, dude, the professor fucking takes, takes it on two it. and three. Takes he he it. takes the fucking hate. He's it. done. Uh, there wow. it is. I didn't. I mean, he he tries to explain history to his crew and puts on a porno, <laughs> and is totally unfazed by it. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> so there it is. I bet this is an upset for a lot of you. It was an upset for us, but but it's you, such a clear <laughs> upset that I'm I'm very happy with the results. You know, Rick would turn the if Rick turned the porn on, it would be too 
elicit to, a to response. Get to mess with you. It would be to elicit a response. And the professor, the professor just like, you need to know about this. He doesn't think, he doesn't think twice about it. Nothing. In, in the middle of doing it, he's already forgotten what he's doing. <laughs> and he's exactly, he's the kind of person Rick wishes he could be. Yeah. Where he really is disconnected, so disconnected. Yeah. But so brilliant. Yeah. And so like, even when the professor gets back with mom, over and over and over again, he forgets about it. He makes mutant albino gorillas <laughs> to scream, to scream about it. He doesn't sit there, drink himself to death, and you know he does like this will be funny. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even think. He doesn't even know why he's doing it, which is it. great. Yeah, no, that's oh, the thing that's about the professor. God is, damn, he doesn't even know why he does it. He just does it. Well, I don't know, but also that, it's yeah. I don't think Professor often knows why he's doing things, and that's his strength, yeah. is that he succeeds without knowing why he's doing things. <laughs> I mean, you, so you do have the episode where, well, well, you do have the episode where he, um, remember, he originally had fallen in love with a robot, <laughs> and, and that's why he, and because the robot broke up with him, that's why he's a, he, he's against Proposition Infinity. Uh-huh. But then eventually he immediately admits that I'm a fraud. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's just right back into, I'm the professor again. (laughs) Yeah. See, and that's his strength is that, is that he can choose to affect reality however he wants and ever he likes because nothing matters. He's done. Yeah. And then it's it's gone. Professor again. Good news, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So good news, everybody. Professor wins two to three out of three, I'm call- I see uh, people can argue, but I'm not going to give it to him. I'm not three out of three. There it is. That's right. I forgot for a moment that we are the definitive source here. So three out of three. Professor Hubert Farnsworth beats Rick Sanchez. Way to go, Futurama! Nice going, Futurama. Professor takes it. Three for three out of three. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Share our posts. Share us with yeah, your friends. Go ahead and share us, man. So Facebook. Share Instagram. us with your enemies. If you want to listen to us, we're on High and Dry Podcast. High and Dry. On Buzzsprout. On Buzzsprout. So highanddrypodcast.buzzsprout.com. Or you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Google Podcasts. Um, we're getting ready to be on Apple Podcasts. We're already on uh, Amazon Music. So we're out there. I'm at the Diabolical on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with me. If you want to hear about a matchup, feel free to tweet me. Yeah, and so he's really big on Twitter. If you if you're looking just for me, I'm Ryan Barron North. You find me um, really big on Instagram. So let us know what you think of the last fight. Thank you, everybody. Take it easy.